hello everyone and welcome to a special elections daily episode uh, with us today we have uh, a special for the almanac of american politics many of you know it have read it uh, they have a new edition coming out and we've got two of the contributors for the almanac here uh, jessica taylor and lou jacobson are joining us to talk about the almanac talk about their work on it uh, some of the stuff that goes into creating it some of their favorite moments or items in the almanac all sorts of stuff uh, in the YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, we have a, a discount code in the link. If you want to order it, we'll give you a little bit of uh, give you a little bit of a discount off of the Almanac. Um, if you're on Twitter, you can just go to our YouTube page, look at it the same way. Uh, very simple. So uh, with that, I'll just go ahead and uh, let the two introduce themselves. Uh, uh, Jessica, I'll start with you. Um, what do you do? What's your what's your work with the Almanac? Um, just kind of just kind of describe yourself to some of our audience, since I know you might be a new face to some of us who haven't been subscribing for a couple of years. Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, my day job is that I am the Senate Governor's Editor at Cook Political Report, but the Almanac, it was actually my very first job out of college. So it's a big full circle moment for me now that I am one of the senior authors, which it's especially an honor for me that I'm the first woman senior author ever in the book's 50 year history. So I actually was a was an intern um, on the Almanac right after I graduated for the 2008 edition. I became the research director for the 2010 edition. And then in uh, on the 2020 edition, I was a contributing author. And then for 2022 and 2024, I've now been a senior author. And I write the Senate profiles now. I previously did some house back then, back when, but I do the Senate profiles. Um, and it's just been, like I said, it's just been a full circle moment because it really, especially being the researcher, you, you look at so many people, Sue, um, Sue Davis, that was a friend of mine that I worked with at NPR. She's an NPR political reporter now. Um, I, I worked with Kyle Trickstad, who's now at Pluribus, was at Bloomberg. Um, I think Chris Eliza was a researcher too, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, like, it's like getting a master's in politics, essentially. You are researching every single congressional district. It is just, it was intense. I loved doing it. I learned so much. It really helped jumpstart my career here in D.C., and, um, you know, it's also interesting to me to see how the research has changed in that time period, because when I was a researcher, we were killing a lot of trees. Um, <laughs> that was Rich Cohen, who is now the editor and one of the, one, of the, one of the chief authors, too. He was one of the authors back then with Michael Barone, and Michael Barone, of course, founded it and still contributes and things. But we actually had to, like, physically print out things. We would highlight it. We would make notes. We would put sticky notes on things. And we would have to carry all the paperwork and everything too. Now everything is done virtually. Um, everything's on Google Docs with hyperlinks and everything. So much more eco-friendly and uh, more up-to-date probably and, and everything too. So um, it's interesting. It's been interesting sort of seeing um, that shift. I know I'm personally happy that I don't get a pile of research and have to, because it would just you know be piled up here. In my oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I can imagine. I mean, when I've, I've only known this, I've only been in this field as long as that was has been an option. Uh, the digital virtual stuff. That's all I really know. So yeah, I was right on the cusp. Like I, I hit, I hit a little bit of both. So. <laughs> yep. Definitely, definitely a bit of a shock if you've been there a long time. And how about Lou, uh, you, Lou, just to describe yourself or describe yourself to the audience as well. Sure. So um, my uh, day job is at PolitiFact. I'm a senior correspondent there uh, at the fact-checking website. So I fact-check Biden and the GOP candidates and everybody. Um, I also do a lot of freelance, uh, particularly on state politics. Um, I'm a senior columnist at Sabato's Crystal Ball at UVA. Uh, I also um, do, do a lot of um, state politics articles and handicapping of 
the governor's races and the um, state legislatures uh, uh, and so forth uh, for, for a combination of Sabotage Crystal Ball and U.S. News and World Report. And then for the Almanac, um, I too, like Jessica, am a senior author. There, there's a third, Lou Peck, um, and then there's a bunch of uh, more junior writers who contribute as well. Um, at the Almanac, uh, these days what I do is um, primarily the state overview chapters, so 50 of those, and then the 50 governor's chapters. Um, for this once every 10 year post redistricting edition, uh, I also help Rich Cohen, who's the chief author. Uh, he wrote, um, or I should say rewrote, all the congressional districts, and I edited most of them. So I was sort of involved in that process. Um, I go back slightly longer than Jessica, because I'm a bit older. Um, I was uh, first involved in the 2000 edition um, as a writer, and then in the 2004 edition. Um, and then I rejoined uh, for the 2016 edition. So now, so this is the fifth straight that I've done, a total of seven. Um, and uh, it's just one of my favorite assignments. Uh, you know, I love, um, I've, part of my shtick in my career has been to like file a story from every state. And I did um, 48 states between, uh, was it 96 and 2002? Took me another 20 years to get a new state, which was Hawaii last year. <laughs> gonna go. Um, but Such uh, a burden that, to go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Such a burden to have yeah. to go to Hawaii. Yeah, I know. I no know. one wants to go there. It's just this 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 horrible <laughs> visit. Just a just nobody wants to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I know the tough problem was uh, making sure that my uh, family, who I traveled with, was okay with me taking a little bit of time off to do do a couple interviews with like those mm -hmm. guys out there. Um, so uh, um, a lot of the background that allowed me to um, write the state overviews and the governor chapters is that I had uh, made trips to all these states at some point, in some cases a while ago. Um, but I've kept up um, my contacts uh, in all of those areas. And so I have like a sort of 50 state network where I can kind of bounce ideas off of and sort of take take their pulse in what's happening locally. Um, and that's been a big help. Uh, you know, I think uh, going out to the places um, in the rest of the country and actually meeting people face to face in person, I think it sort of um, cements a long-term bond in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Yep. So definitely, uh, yeah, again, really good stuff here. Um, we'll go ahead and get into it. We've talked a little bit, kind of in passing a little bit as we've, as we've introduced you uh, about the history of the Almanac. Uh, it's been publishing since 1972, but this is a really important issue. Every 10 years, as anyone who follows Elections Daily or any other election news outlet probably knows, you have redistricting. And this is a very big ordeal, especially for something like the Almanac, which is covering pretty much everything uh you're having to do major major work so i guess kind of you know talk a little bit about the history but also some of the changes um you know the new things in the almanac this time is, is mainly redistricting but all the work that goes into that uh, you yeah. have 435 new congressional districts to work through well not yeah. not all of them there's a couple of you know single states but you're right exactly yeah so um uh as some of your readers may know michael barone was the founder in 72 and he um was involved with it uh, I guess until maybe the mid 2000s. Um, uh, and he still uh, uh, does a nice essay in, um, in each of the new editions still to this day. Uh, he, he had a really nice one in the 50th anniversary edition last uh, time, two, two years ago. And he's got another good one this time. Um, so he's still um, 
slightly involved, but he's not writing any of the nuts, sort of nuts and bolts chapters on the House members or anything. Um, Rich, he was still uh, writing the House members when I did it in 2010. And yeah, wow. yeah. So I think that was yeah. He, um, it's um, he he definitely uh, was uh, fairly heavily involved until maybe about 10, 10 years ago, twelve years ago. Um, so Rich Cohen really picked up the slack, uh, particularly after uh, starting with the 2016 edition when there was talk that maybe National Journal, which has been the longtime owner of the rights, was thinking about maybe get, getting rid of it. And Rich uh, and a colleague, uh, Jim Barnes, kind of rescued it. Um, and uh, so so Rich, who's now, uh, you know, basically retired, uh, except for the Almanac, um, spends a lot of time. Uh, put, putting stuff together, and he he really easily writes the most chapters of anybody. A lot of the House members, um, so, some of the senators, um, and a lot of the just really very challenging numerical kind of grunt work of like putting together charts and tables uh, for it. Uh, he does a great job on all of that, and, and th thankfully saves me from having to do any of that. Um, and so Rich uh, is sort of the MVP of this whole whole thing. Um, uh usually one of one of the kind of um uh, uh standard sort of procedures that we followed is really uh, uh you know historically not working on the almanac until the election is over um rich has um ha uh um broken that pattern a little bit in a really good way one he pre-writes um a bunch of the uh or i think all or most of the freshmen who are likely to win um, uh, and basically pre-writes those before the election because in some cases it's a safe seat, you know, who it, it's going to be the GOP nominee or the Democratic nominee. Uh, and so he gets those done ahead of time. In, in the past, we've sometimes um, used that as a premium to, to give to, to buyers of the book to sort of purchase that separately. Um, so, uh, so so that's one one difference. But the big difference this year was uh, the basically Rich and I agreed to start work on all of this redistricting stuff before the election because we knew what the district lines were going to be. Um, and so um, we spent much of last summer, uh, the summer of 2022, uh, uh, putting together all those districts. And, and Rich really, he looked at all the maps and like figured out, you know, uh, you know what, what portions were given from this district to that district. Um, and then he kind of put together chunks of the chapters that like had to be moved to like other districts. And then when he did that, um, uh, he, he, he also tried to freshen them up a little bit with new, uh, you know, research that we're provided with. Um, and then I edited all of that and added so, some of my own expertise. And I can tell you about one like particular project in New York, if you like. Um, and, uh, so all of that is rewritten and really, I, I'm not aware of any other reference book uh, or or even source that has kind of district descriptions um, in the new districts. And uh, it's really been kind of the heart and soul of the Almanac in the past. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's not only the members, which are great, all the profiles of the members, but like, you know, getting a sense of a, a flavor of the districts of each person uh, in Congress uh, is really just a sort of core part of the Almanac historically. Mm -hmm. I bet. And, you know, it's honestly probably easier to do that now to kind of pre-write some of those districts and candidates now than it would have been 20 years ago. You have a lot more safe districts, a lot more states that we pretty much know all the results beforehand, or for the mm -hmm. most part, most of them. Yeah. So it's probably a little bit easier now than it was. When I was there, I remember, and this was the 2008 election cycle, 
And I can still remember the, and we, we, we wrote a lot for both. Um, so we had like extra profiles and never saw the light of day, but I just remember the one district that we did not do was Virginia five, Tom Perriello. <laughs> we were like scrambling on election night, 2008, um, to write about Tom Perriello. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, that sort of stuff is becoming less and less common. You have a couple of fluke districts, but this last cycle, there was really probably the biggest surprise would have been Washington three. And even that one was within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, there's really nothing that just kind of snuck up on everyone That's and right. surprised people. Yeah. I, I remember being at national journal in the 1994 or 96 cycle. And I was charged with getting, you know, some of these freshman profiles ready, short, short things. And, uh, there was one person who we missed, which was the challenger to, to Nancy Johnson, uh, Charlotte Koskoff. In the end, she, she came close and didn't win. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, um, occasionally these things sneak, sneak up on you. I don't think there were there were too too many for Rich to, to scramble on this time, but but I think in the past he has. Yeah, uh, it, it's really gotten easier to do. So that's a good approach to take, at least in my opinion. And um, also to uh, praise Jessica's... Uh, work and uh, david wasserman um um and amy walter at the cook cook report um mm -hmm. i mean uh they've they've been pretty on target in terms of uh the competitive races it's pretty rare to find anything that's like in the likely category that flips mm -hmm. it's usually yeah i'm really yeah. struggling to think of the last time i truly a, a state a district people actually listed as safe flipped was it uh, uh, the oklahoma one was the closest was that a likely mm -hmm. number when uh who, who was the person, um, the uh, de Democrat who won in 2018? Oh, yeah. Um, um, Kendra Horn. Yeah, mm -hmm. Kendra Horn. Mm -hmm. I was thinking even you could probably, it would probably you'd have to go back to someone like even 2020, some of those South Texas districts that weren't really considered mm -hmm. in the realm of possibility. Right. That yeah. was a, just a realignment shift that people didn't yeah. notice coming. Yeah. Um, there's no way to really predict, you know, all of a sudden you're going to have someone going from 70% of the vote to 55% of the vote. Um, short of that, you know, it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot harder to predict these, but we'll go ahead yeah. and move on. I think that's a good, you know, redistricting is a big focus of this, but it's not the only thing the Almanac focuses on by any means. Uh, Jessica focused in particular on the Senate races, a lot of really interesting contests there. I know you want to talk about like Alabama uh, as one of them, but like, there's so many of these interesting profiles now. Yeah, that's smoking. <laughs> he says you can actually see my almanac stack back there. <laughs> Very um, nice. Uh, he might try to get one out and play with it. Who knows? Um, yeah, I uh, so I did I did a lot of the senators this year, and you know, a lot of times it's an extension of because I go from covering the races for Cook, and then I almost immediately right after the election sleep for a week, and then go into go into almanac mode and stuff too. So. And in a way, it's sort of like these races never leave me because, you know, I did Fetterman, I did Vance. So a lot of it's recapping the races mm -hmm. that I've already covered. And sometimes there's a little bit longer of a break in between. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that did just happen. Like, that's still pretty fresh on my mind and stuff, too. Um, one that I updated, you know, like, like Lou said, Rich does a lot of the new member profiles. And for some of the people that were elected in uh, 2020, this was a time, you know, because really when you have a first almanac profile, especially if you've never held elective office or anything before, it's largely just your bio. So um, one of the fun things, I, I really like the profiles like that because there's the opportunity for a lot of value add there. Um, you know, the process kind of is to give you kind of a sneak peek behind, you know, we get the profile that was in the last almanac. We go through, we try to edit some things out. If they're older, 
you know, we're also struggling with word count and page count, which I know Lou's going to talk about later on. <laughs> so we've got to make some edits and take out some things so that we can add new things so that every book has a fresh profile and fresh information about every person. So one of the people that I had this year that was just elected in 2020 um, and then uh, was um, uh, Tommy Tuberville in Alabama. And as an SEC football fan, um, did not think that one day I would be writing a profile of Tommy Tuberville um, as an Alabama senator, but here we are. Um, so I kind of got to recap a little bit more of his career and, you know, sort of the stumbles he had when he came in, like question, you know, the three branches of government and going through a lot of that. So, um, you know, some some of those were were kind of humorous to, to recap. And, um, you know, some of them I've had over the years have been more difficult, like, um, so I always I always do the um, South Carolina and Tennessee senators because I'm from Tennessee originally. I went to college in South Carolina, um, and after 2016, I, yeah. So it would have been for the it would have been the 28 well, it's for the 2020 book for after the 2018 election cycle um, was uh, I pretty much had to like take a scalpel to Lindsey Graham to like completely redo <laughs> it <laughs> like, after he became a Trump ally and everything. So that yep. one. Was that was one that was just a lot of red marks and rewriting and adding <laughs> a lot of things, um, you know, and after John McCain died and everything. So that was one. I think the probably the one that I had to overhaul the most this year actually was um, Florida Senator Rick Scott, um, which he wasn't up for reelection, but he was chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, of course, and had a very controversial and rocky tenure as such. So I was not only putting that in, but, you know, his plan that he put out and controversy over that and then his challenge to Mitch McConnell as leader. So there was just a lot of Rick Scott to update. I think I saved him kind of near the end because I knew that was just going to to be a lot. But it was, you know, I also went back to some of the new members, Richard written some about Fetterman advance and everything, but like going back and adding and stuff about those races, which were so unique, of course. I mean, especially the Pennsylvania race. Um, you know, I think there's a whole um whole paragraph dedicated to the crudite um mishap so <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah if you want to actually honestly we had more of those sorts of surprising races in the senate i think i'm trying to think I don't, i'm not sure anyone actually had pennsylvania uh certainly not for fetterman uh, it looked by the end i think maybe one it was i think sabato and and our ratings both had it as leans republican i think cook yeah. everyone else kept it at toss-up um, we had that it was one that and we moved it back. Like to this, there was some pull tightening there, but mm -hmm. yeah, it, uh, it looked like it was going to shift, and then mm -hmm. it just turned out that I mean, didn't Democrats happen. were worried. Like you know, I mean, like the final polling, I know, like even internally had it mm -hmm. down. It looked like, like one of those things where everyone had expected the whole cycle it was just going to go this particular way. Fetterman couldn't, you know, that lead's not going to hold. That lead's not going to hold, and then the lead held. <laughs> You know, in hindsight, well, I think the Mastriano candidacy really sort of weighted yeah. him down. Yeah, stuff. yeah, that he he's certainly given our uh, our election head Joe Szymanski a lot of a headache over in Pennsylvania. Just having to talk about Mastriano at all is is liable to get a reaction from him. But you know, on the Senate front, you know, certainly someone like a like a Lindsey Graham, those sorts of you know once in a generation politicians that are just unusual to write about. Yeah. I imagine that wasn't just interesting writing about that. Marsha Blackburn is probably one I'd also be interested to see. She's had a very interesting political career coming out of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot lately, but just at the start of that is one I probably imagine was pretty interesting to write about. Given she's how had Tennessee a lot of telecom, though. She's had a lot working with 
mm-hmm. uh, copyright and singers and different things. And then she had a very interesting path to the Senate, like selling books door to door. And, you know, so she had an interesting path that led her to the Senate and everything too. So, um, so yeah, hers is interesting. We had Bill Haggerty that was, you know, new before um, from 2020. So I got to add some more things to him. And then, you know, really, actually, both of the South Carolina senators were interesting this year because I, mean, I, I did Tim Scott's too. And that one was before he announced for president, but, you know, was clearly testing the waters at that point. You don't raise that much money for a safe seat. And yeah. I think all knew he, you know, he'd already made some trips to Iowa and different things too. So, so those were interesting ones. And then, you know, I wrote a lot too of the senators that survived races, Cortez Masto. Um, mm-hmm. Ron, Ron Johnson's all, always another one and everything. And then, oh, cinema was another one that I had. Oh, yeah. Had to be pretty pretty rewritten, especially um, with her switching parties and then previewing the race coming up and everything. And mm-hmm. going yeah, through that, all the, Yeah, the, I imagine if she somehow holds on by a miracle, it'll be another interesting, uh, another interesting entry if she's yeah. still there in a couple, in, in, a, in a cycle or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. As unlikely as that seems, that would yeah. certainly be... Yeah. One of the yeah. more interesting political careers in recent memory. Yeah, Lisa Murkowski was another one I did. I think she was one of the first ones I did because we usually go alphabetically. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she, you know, with her race and then just her impeachment vote and everything. So it was a lot to update from that too. Mm-hmm. Definitely, but we'll we'll go back to Lou here a second. Is also in the almanac. They have that focus on House races, Senate races, but also gubernatorial races. That's something Lou focuses on uh, yeah. in in the uh, the almanac and. Those of those of you who are following elections know there are a couple of races up this cycle, but there's also plenty of other interesting races that have, that have ha- that have happened that he's written about as well. Yeah. So in terms of the almanac, uh, you know, um, this past cycle, the one we just wrote about, was a pretty big one because there were a lot of races. You know, the midterm cycle always has a lot of governors' races uh, compared to the presidential cycle. Um, it wasn't quite as big as 2018. You know, I always go back to the um, stunning um, midterm election of 2002 mm-hmm. for governor's races. That was the one where I think 20 um, odd uh, governor's races actually switched parties, mm-hmm. uh, either open seats or ousted incumbents. Um, and most of those guys stayed two terms. Uh, you know, they won a second term. So in 20. 10 there are a lot of open seats and then a lot of new members but new uh, governors and then 2018 will be the next eight year period after those those governors serve two terms so that was a huge year where we really had or i i really had to write a lot of new governors profiles from scratch um and uh so now it's four years after that 2022 and there were some some vacancies uh open seats there's only um uh, a couple states that actually switched. I guess the two um, open seats in New England that were GOP governors, Charlie Baker um, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, uh, Hogan. Yes, H- Hogan, of course. Yes, um, and uh, and then I guess let's see, Nevada and Arizona both flipped. So that's that's four, and there were a couple open seats that that, that stayed the same party. So so it wasn't. Uh, you know, too bad a load for like brand new uh, uh, things from scratch. Um, but uh, the other thing that I uh, that was big in 2022 was all the discussion about uh, yeah, you know, election denial. Uh, there, there were a bunch of governor candidates who were very, very heavy into that. Michigan, 
uh, like you know Nevada. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, not not Nevada. I mean Arizona uh, and a few other states. And so that that was a big theme across a lot of races. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh, yes, definitely Pennsylvania. Um, and um, because I write the governor's chapters and the state overview chapters, I also tried to get um, uh, into the state overview chapters. Uh, a bit about the Secretary of State races and the State AG races because those also were very uh, you know, highly uh, contested, uh, frequently between mainstream Democrats and kind of MAGA Republicans uh, mm-hmm. who, 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 who were election deniers. And um, so, so that sort of provided a lot of fodder uh, in, in, in 2022. In the, the last paragraph or so, like kind of long paragraph of all the state overviews, I tried uh, to basically summarize all the key races in that um, in that state for that year, and I I left so, some of the details in the governor's races for, for the governor's chapters. So I didn't didn't do that quite as much, but I wrote about a lot of these even statewide things, state treasurer, you know, all all that kind of thing because all of these were uh, uh, so uh, you know he- heavily contested in 2022, um, and I like to look at sort of the county by county breakdowns of you know who gained counties, who, who lost counties compared to the last time they, they were out or compared to, to the Trump-Biden results. And you usually could find interesting patterns there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, and just to go back to not to de- detour too much, the 2002 ones are really fascinating. People haven't really looked at those. My favorite one I always point to is Maine, where the, uh, the map is literally reversed from what you expect of Maine today. <laughs> the Democratic candidate won all the northern counties and the Republican won, won all, of the, all the southern counties. It's really... <laughs> Uh, just a lot of stuff changes over 20 years and that sort of stuff can get, you know, looking at old almanacs and new almanacs, you can find that sort of thing, but it it really is a, it really is an interesting experience. Yeah. I'd imagine covering, covering all that stuff across these sorts of periods of time. Yeah. I I've, I've been covering um, state legislatures and governors for about 20, 20 years now. I mean, in a serious sort of consistent way. So yeah, I've seen it, seen a lot of the change. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, we'll also go ahead and um, mention, you know, there was some stuff in this almanac. This is a very, very large edition of the almanac. There was some stuff that actually had to be cut out um, for the first time due to, due to t- uh, constraints of space is the number of pages you can fit in the book. Yep. Um, so, you know, kind of talk about some of what that is there. I know there's some long time stuff that had to be unfortunately yep. trimmed that you're hoping to get out there in some capacity. Yep. Um, so, uh, so basically we uh, um, file, uh, the way it works is we, uh, file it to our sort of production people and they put it into a PDF format and they say, okay, right now the length is X and you got to be X minus whatever to actually, you know, um, for, for the binding to work and for the amount of paper you've ordered to like work. So, um, so we first cut, um, I think it was like 80 pages or so, uh, starting from like around 2,400, I think, um, maybe, maybe 2,300, I can't remember now. Uh, but we first cut about, cut about 80, and that was sort of um, chapter by chapter, we would cut out so, some of the de- deadwood, um, but we didn't touch any sort of major sections uh, as a whole. Uh, but then they came back like days before it was supposed to be sent off the printer and said, uh, you got to cut 200 more pages. Um, so uh, uh, that was a major um, deal, which, uh, Rich, uh, Rich Cohen for- fortunately handled most of that. Um, and what we um, ended up losing, uh, the most notable stuff was the insular territories, which is um, 
Guam, Virgin Islands. Uh, we we did end up keeping DC, uh, but we cut all of that. We uh, you know we've had that forever, um, and uh, we also cut some of the back of the book stuff, some of the tables. Um, I think for maybe vital statistics of Congress, and we also cut the sections of every state that deal with the presidential race, which that that was not as big a deal because those didn't change much in the current edition um in the presidential years or like right after the presidential yeah, election yeah. we we do okay. uh you know update those thoroughly based on you know kind of what happened in the previous presidential election but there was a presidential election so folks can still find that in the previous edition but um our plan uh and we don't have the uh like links for this yet but is on the almanac website uh which is the um uh, do you have it in front of you, the almanac of American politics.com, I believe? I think that's it here. Let me double check my mouse. Yeah. Um, so we, we haven't done it yet, but we're planning to put all the stuff that we cut up there. So uh, free, free, free to the public. So the people who do want that information, because it, it was already there, it, it was just cut. So, so it's uh, uh, easy enough to put up online. Uh, yeah. So it's www.thealmanacofamericanpolitics.com. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully that should be out. Uh, you know, around the time of this uh, gets back from the printer, which right now, the latest I heard today is that it's supposed, the soft cover is supposed to be done July 31st. Um, and, and they'll be ready to ship at that point. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be definitely interested in, in looking at, at those uh, those territorial entries. That's a, that's a subject of interest for mine that I've written about. Um, this is actually one of the more interesting cycles for that. Republicans have a majority of those territories for the first time. If you, if you add D.C. in, it's an even tie. Mm -hmm. But that has unsurprisingly led to some changes in long-time policy on the ability of territorial delegates to vote in the Committee of the Whole, which is this obscure issue that nobody cares about other than the two parties whenever they change power. Right. Um, but that's the, that's uh, that's just a, an obscure interest of mine, so I'll be very interested in, yeah. in reading uh, that if that is put out there publicly. Yeah, and actually um, one of the of the delegates, um, Stacey Plaskett, has had a pretty high profile. Yep. Uh, was she on the January 6th committee or, or was she just involved in so, some of that discussion? I, I believe she was one of the impeachment managers. She was one of the impeachment, that, managers. That's impeachment yeah. managers. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, she, she's had a higher profile than most of the delegates yeah. have, have in mm -hmm. the past. Yeah, really all of them are interesting figures. Um, you know, uh, Guam had their delegate switch parties for the first or had a had a switch in party for the first time since the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Jennifer uh, Gonzalez out of Puerto Rico is very heavy on the statehood front. Um, and all of them are very much focusing more specifically now on their local policies now that they have more influence mm -hmm. um, because there's this sort of political evenness in the in the territories to some degree. But they're all interesting figures. But Stacey Plaskett is definitely one that um, does does warrant some attention. She's she's certainly getting up there in democratic politics more so than you would expect a territorial delegate to ever be at. Um, but yeah, uh, well, if if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. We can kind of we'll kind of continue here for a little bit. Um, just kind of close out on some stuff. But if you have any questions, be sure to submit them to us. You can ask them on our YouTube channel or on Twitter um, as well. We're keeping a track of, of the Twitter feed. Um, but yeah, I'll go back to Jessica here. Um, are there any other interesting things you've noticed, uh, you know, relative to, to this almanac um, sort of shift and, you know, some, maybe more of the Senate stories, but just some other, any other things that are interesting that you, that you experienced while writing uh, for this edition? Um, 
I mean, you know, as we were writing, like some of the retirements came down. So this, you know, will be the last book that Debbie Stabenow's in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's been there for going back to 2020. Um, so, you know, I think just, you know, very different people coming in. And a lot of, I did a lot of the senators that are going to be up for re-election this year too. So it's sort of a pre, <laughs> it's sort of almost like, it's helpful for me again, at my day job where I'm like refreshing myself about the senators that I'm going to be covering for the next election cycle. So, yep. you know, we had Jackie Rosen, well, Rick Scott's up again and different things and Joe Manchin Manchin. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't do him. I think Lou Peck did that one. Um, and everything he does, he, he, he has special affinity for mansion. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, but some of them that are definitely going to be interesting. Um, you know, I also, I, I think, you know, McConnell's up again in 2026 and, you know, there's sort of, a, I've done the, tree, uh, you know, you have John Barrasso and, um, John Thune that could succeed him. So, you know, those were kind of interesting ones to watch and, you know, ones that definitely, you know, might not fall in, in line with with trump all the time tom tillis was one i did as well for you there in north carolina that you know kind of veered a little bit from his party after he won re-election and different things too so he's an interesting mm-hmm. one interesting how that works mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> exactly um i mean chuck Gra- i did chuck black grassley too who's such an institution and you know he won again um mm-hmm. <laughs> so had a little bit of a scare there at the end i never thought it was really real you know? yeah he but, didn't get the full Grassley this time. He only got a partial. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he lost Des Moines, Iowa, the typical ones you would expect. Whereas in previous cycles, he managed to win all of the counties. But he still did the full Grassley. He still went to every county. Yep, he still did. <laughs> all 91 <laughs> counties. Um, you know, and sometimes, like, I did the Hawaii senators, and that makes me, like, want to go back to Hawaii. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's I did a good mix of them. Um, looking forward to doing more next year um, and everything. So, uh, saving out, we've got uh, well, T- Tammy um, Baldwin was another one. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when I go from doing her to doing Ron Johnson, it always reminds me. I'm like, are there two more different people that a state could elect? Um, so. Yeah, honestly, it's it, that used to be more of a more of a thing you would see in previous cycles. You know, probably. Tom Harkin and Chuck Grassley would have been pretty mm-hmm. similar in that camp of just two diametrically opposed political philosophies. Yeah. These days, though, you don't really see a state with just these two people yeah, yeah. that just do not agree on virtually anything at all. I think we're down to five now states that have different mm-hmm. parties after because we did have Pennsylvania and then once they flip too many seats. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you've got a handful of them, but even those states, you know, generally speaking, like Shelley Moore Capito and Joe Manchin have a pretty good relationship. Yeah. In West a reasonably good relationship as far as all that goes. I mean, you know, she's like Rick Shem Justice, but still. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like as far as like senators go, they're they're able to work mm-hmm. together. Ron yeah. Johnson, just in particular, those two are just not on the same wave, same wavelength at all. But uh uh Lou, you got anything else to add here before we wrap up? Yeah, so um uh, uh you know, one 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 thing is um we uh, I basically, uh, to write my 100 chapters between December and about March, I had to average about six chapters per week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you're done by March. And then the like printer closes around May sometimes. So there's that period where you're getting, you know, copy edits done and page proofs done that you still want to make sure that you're kind of hearing about all the major things that like like to add uh that, that they're kind of late breaking and so we did a lot of that this year i don't know 
it seemed like it was more than in previous years. I don't know if that's a combination of a bunch of states having new trifectas. They passed a lot of legislation, thinking Michigan, Minnesota, um, and so, some of the GOP states as well. Even a place like Arkansas, where you're moving from a, a, a you know kind of establishment Republican to a more MAGA Republican uh, governor, yeah. um, and doing a lot of new, new fresh legislation. Um, and uh, so I spent a lot of time on that, and and uh, there's like always at least like one chapter that you kind of dread and like put off until the last because things are going to be changing. Um, so like in the previous book, it was like Andrew Cuomo. Uh, you know, at the time that we were, uh, you know, writing the chapters up, he was having his whole scandal. You know what was he going to resign or not so like i was able to get 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 all all that in but he still was actually in office by the time we had to close out the book and went to the printer um so he he was our our governor in that chapter um but it did say a lot about the scandal sw swirling around him so so that was my last chapter to write in in the 2022 book in the 2024 book it was ron DeSantis, uh, a combination of will he officially or will he not officially run run for governor uh, uh, sorry for a pre president um and uh uh he had such a fruitful legislative um six months there uh, in uh, you know early 2023 it seemed like he passed another major bill every week um and so he wanted to get all those in particularly if he was going to be a you know a major presidential contender so i made that the last one <laughs> uh for the 2024 book uh just because we we didn't know what was going to happen next with him mm -hmm. it's almost like he shoved all the legislation into this little period of time so we could campaign for president later on exactly who, who knows exactly. <laughs> exactly uh the other thing i i'll mention is um uh you know we um don't uh directly sort of travel for the book but um i try to leverage some of the travel that i do for the other reporting uh, and use that for the book. Um, I was fortunate to have gone to Nashville for a story in U.S. News last uh, August. I ran it in September or so, um, and uh, I got it was sort of pegged to the whole redistricting there and so the sort of Nashville versus the rest of the state um, tensions. And uh, that was uh, fortunate because I, I was able to write a lot about that um, uh, in the spring when all the stuff happened about the expulsions of the members and the fights between nashville and the rest of the state over uh, various policies um and then um another thing that i did was um in december um i basically hired um a tour guide to take me around brooklyn and queens uh there were a lot of changes in the districts um in uh, the outer boroughs um and i'd done this 20 years ago for the almanac um and obviously things have changed in 20 years so i had a guy who who, who was an expert um on the sort of de demographics uh and the politics of the area and um we went through by foot by subway uh by uber by train um and uh visited uh you know probably 15 different neighborhoods within an eight hour period um and i got a flavor of all that which i was then able to do mm -hmm. a thorough rewrite um of all those chapters and that's actually coming out it will it, be excerpted in the um in sabato's crystal ball um in um, july very nice very nice 
Um, I know for I know for a fact, you know, even something like that, those sorts of boundaries, those can be very contentious. California always has mm -hmm. very contentious redistricting committee discussions about these exact boundaries in urban areas. I mean, even on our staff, we have our Adam Trencher, one of our editors, is a very of the very firm opinion that the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side, do not belong in the same <laughs> congressional district. That was a major change that we've seen for the first time yeah. Yeah. Um, in maybe ever, certainly yeah. in a hundred years. Very or long so. time. Yeah. I mean, for, for Nashville, the way they split the way they split up Nashville and stuff, like, I mean, because I have family that live there, and they were all confused about which congressional district they were in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a long rational line. Wrong, if I if I recall. What? I think they actually printed some ballots wrong and gave those yeah. out to people to vote. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it's honestly even the art of, of gerrymandering, if you want to call it an art, is you have sometimes the nonsensical gerrymanders, and you have ones that look a little bit cleaner and like follow the city lines a little bit better. The the national one certainly falls more into the uh, the sloppy lines sort of category, where there can be that confusion. Maryland's probably another one that fell into that category as well. Mm -hmm. Just the before they had their newer map, of course. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I think it was, must have been the 2020 edition I was working on, because I think they rejiggered some of the lines in South Carolina, maybe. Mm -hmm. But, like, because we we put in what happened at Mother Emanuel in Charleston. And, it, like, it was written as though it was in Clyburn's district, when, in fact, like, by one street over, it was in well, then Joe Cunningham's district. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, totally different. Greensboro, I know the same way. It was, uh, I mean, my city, the city I live in, Hickory, uh, used to be split uh, briefly during one of the Republican maps. And yeah. that was a point of contention. Um, just even just a small, you know, relatively small city uh, getting that treatment. It's it's something that is worth paying attention to. It's, it's good to cover that sort of level of detail. Yeah. But um, and without also, um, I was like on the map, like, seeing where Mother Emanuel was, like on yeah. the district lines. I was like, "Oh, it's literally one street over." <laughs> <laughs> that's how close it gets. <laughs> that, that's um, that's often how it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, uh, on my uh, trip through uh, Brooklyn and Queens, I, I noticed that um, the line around um, City Field, where the Mets play, it like it goes like around the stadium, and so I forget if it's AOC. Maybe has it in her district, and Grace Meng is like you know a baseball's throw away, or vice versa. I can't remember. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's it. Those sorts of things are, are something I just find particularly particularly amusing um, to to look at. But uh, it doesn't look like we have any additional questions. Uh, so yeah, thank you all for watching. You can obviously um, subscribe, you know, like the, like our channel if you like this content. Be sure to check out Jessica and Lou on Twitter. Uh, they do great work at Cook uh, Politifact. A lot of different areas they're working on. If you are interested in the Almanac, uh, I, I mentioned again, there is a offer, a discount offer if you buy from the website. Uh, the code is TAAP15CB. Uh, you can find it in the YouTube description if you're if you're having trouble listening to that on the podcast form. There, it's a 50% discount on their website for the Almanac, and it's good through August. Uh, so that should be after, um, you, you know, a couple months to... Uh, to to look into that. So again, thank you all for watching. Really appreciate your time. Thank you to Jessica and Lou for coming on, sharing your experience with the with the the almanac and your respective political careers. Um, and we'll see you all next time for our next episode of Elections Daily. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks. you.